I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Today you will be definitely going down another rabbit hole. (laughs) I found Sean Clayton on Instagram. And once you go to Abundance 10,000, that's his account, you will understand what I mean. What I really, when I first was going down this rabbit hole, I thought he had been studying the science of thinking and your mind and all the Dr. Joe Dispenza material and spirituality for years and years because it comes through that way. But then I start to go and learn more. And it's been the last like three years, maybe four, that his eyes woke up and his soul opened up, (laughs) everything opened up. And now he is sharing it with the world of what he's learned. And I, you know, I think more and more people are coming up through the openings to share and learn because they've, they're ready. We're all ready. We're not all ready, but the people that are listening to this podcast, we are all ready. And oh, am I ready? And this year already, this hasn't even ended the first month that I feel like I'm a different person than when the month began. And that is how I feel this whole year will be. I'm just in this huge phase of growth and, you know, knowing Sean and how he's grown in such a short period of time. You know, I've been doing this work for pretty much my whole life. (laughs) I feel like definitely started when I was a teenager, but when people start to really wake up to really realizing what is going on and how we're living and right now with the shift in the consciousness in this world, and we're all moving into this direction and it's so exciting and everything's opening up and unfolding and cracking open. And I just feel like there's going to be people like Sean that come through this and start getting on. It's like, I feel like for me, it's so fast. It's like getting on an escalator or something and it starts to speed up. I feel that it just keeps gaining momentum. I just get excited to meet more Sean Clayton's and grow from their growth in such a short period of time. And, you know, I've read books. I was listening to something the other day of, if you go back to the books before 1920s, like the Florence Scovel Shin, The Game of Life and How to Play It, that was written in the 1920s. Looking at Think and Grow Rich, they all have the same message, right? And then all of a sudden, the world shifts. So that's kind of like, we start to believe that's not how the magic isn't really, really, really there. Right. And now the magic's coming back. And I feel like when I decided to name this podcast, uncover your magic, I didn't know we were being, we were going to start to uncover everything. So we're uncovering the magic 
of the world, of the universe right now. And we're living it and we chose to be here. And it's so exciting to know that our souls chose to be here right now. And when you understand, like with Sean, when you listen to his message and his story and how he came to be where he is right now, you start to get that. You start to understand when you start, when I meet people now, like, wow, they chose to be here. I've said this in the last few episodes about the word connection and doing things in person. And we just had our amazing, it takes my breath away, our retreat on Sunday and that connection. There's nothing more powerful than connecting with people and sharing things with them that have inspired me to grow and expand and share people with them that have inspired me. And it's just being with, with each other for an entire day. It's, it's just the beginning. And so I'm going to start my, my next intention. Everyone wants to have another one. So I'm sure we will be doing that in a couple months. But when I say to even how I teach my girls, like when you have an intention and you want to create something, it's your intuition telling you your higher self saying, okay, let's do this. Keep going, pick up the breadcrumbs. Let's keep moving. You just got to keep moving. And it's so true because it's the minute you have that fear, you stop and you question it. It's like, oh, if you only knew it was going to be like two more steps forward. And there, there was more magic you uncovered, but people stop too soon. So just keep thinking of that for this whole year. Just keep pushing forward using those little cues that come to your head and going, oh, I wonder why I'm thinking that. Don't question it. Just do it. That is when you're going to start uncovering more magic. And that's really what Sean has done in his life in the last couple of years is he's just kept moving forward. And his hunger and thirst for growth just proves that in three years, you can be at this level where I feel like some people search their whole life for the meaning of life. He just, something opened and he met his fiance and she, I told him on the, in the episode, like, she's like your little angel that came to open you up. So I know you're going to love him. So you can find him on Instagram. If you go on his website, it's his business website. And I was reading it thinking I would read a bio, but go to his website. It's just seanclayton.com. You can understand his business side. But today we're going to be speaking a little bit of both because I wanted you to understand that he came from this really smart business. You know, he got into Harvard and he chose to go to a different school, University of Houston, I think he said, and for a track scholarship. And I love listening to people's journey and seeing how they uncover their magic. If I could just inspire each and every one of you this year to Stop when you start fearing something and just keep moving forward and recognize it is a better word. Recognize that fear, recognize the questions that are in your mind, because that's just a limiting belief. And when you start to realize how many times those little words of your limiting beliefs perk up into your head and you ignore them, you'll get better and better at it. So just use that this year as a little guidance of, Oh, just uncover your magic, do it all year long. And it's going to be, you're going to go look back now on New Year's Eve and think, oh my gosh, 2024 was the most magic I've ever uncovered in my life. So anyway, I just 
up as my wish for you and connect with me. Get on my website, ashleygonner.com. Sign up for the freebies. I have my morning routine and the vision board. It's still January. You know, it's never too late to do a vision board. I could do those all all year long, but we had the vision board class this month and that was amazing. I just feel like having a vision and an intention and just picking the breadcrumbs, listening to that intuition, moving forward is so huge. And it's such a moment of life where when you start doing it, it just becomes a habit. And I encourage you all to do that like Sean Clayton did. Also, buy one, get one, Raising Confidence and Magic Path. This will be the last week that I honor that because we are starting on our first week, the beginning of February, and I cannot wait. So reach out to me on that. Any kids that just need coaching and your parent that just needs uh, someone that could help, please reach out to me. I'm here and love to do that. You know, that's my passion. And I feel like that's my purpose here on this planet is to help these kids. And when I see them get it, and I know I've said that in these last episodes before, but when I see them light up and I do that with my girls, when they see that when something clicks, like it did with Paige the other day, she said, mom, you know, it's so cool when I know that everything in my life is perfect. Those are like the best things I've ever learned is because when I think something's wrong, it's not wrong. There's nothing wrong. And I said, you're right. Cause everything is perfect. And so, gosh, if you could get your kids to believe that and know that there's nothing ever wrong, everything is leading you to exactly where you're supposed to be. Then think of life as a 17 year old <laughs> or Presley. She thinks the same thing because I've, you know, it's always working for you. And, but when she said that to me, I thought, Oh, thank you. Like that's what you want for your kids to get things now when they are with you under the roof before they leave to go to college or whatever they do is when you start to implement these tools that I so much believe in. And when you teach your kids the tools that I believe it just, once they start to show you that they listened and are using it in their life, like Paige did the other day, oh, it just, it, makes my heart <laughs> it just is so full of so much gratitude and at peace as a mom because everything is perfect and in your life right now if you think something's wrong or bad or something a child is doing wrong or your husband or wife gosh just look at it like wow i wonder what this is teaching me because it's supposed to be it's all it is is good it's all supposed to be leading you in the direction of your life and it's all perfect and it's such a good place to feel to be and to feel in in your day when you think something is upsetting or triggering you to have that awareness that gosh this is good like what is good about it i know i'm going to see the light uh, i don't know when but i know there is going to be the light and it is for a reason so reach out to me connect with me go to my website and get on my mailing list I send out my emails every week and I just, I enjoy the community and the connection I've had with everyone who's reached out to me. It's becoming this group that I feel like I see, I'm envisioning schools for kids. I see classes, I see camps, I see retreats. I see bigger like length retreats than the day, than the full day one that we just had, but I'm envisioning and setting intentions. And I wish that for you too. So 
you are going to love Sean Clayton like I do. So without further ado, please welcome Sean Clayton. Hey, good to be here. All the way from Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. A newly Austin resident, yeah. formerly Los Angeles. Formerly Los Angeles, originally from Dallas, lived all over the place and getting centered. So it's good. Good. So, you know, I've been on this podcast journey for almost four years and it's just been an evolution. And I found you on Instagram is that's where people are starting to see you and your videos are amazing. And, and I understand that now because you have a marketing background and I get your specialties. I can see them now in different ways just because I've gotten to know you over the last few days. But when I start going down Sean Clayton's journey, I always look at it, everything and I know you do too, but from the higher perspective and why we are in this body experiencing this time on this planet and what difference we're here to make and what we are here to expand our soul. And I see that in you so much. And what I found so fascinating is it hasn't been that like the last three years of this like personal like growth, but all this stuff that you went through. <laughs> now you can see it like, oh my gosh, I had to go to prison. I had to do all these things. I had to want to kill myself. I mean, you, there's so many, but so people kind of get an understanding of, because I think when I see who you are now, it's kind of easy to see like you're handsome, strong, good speaker, knows the, how the universe works, but it, that part of you it hasn't been the long haul. And I think that is what I think is so cool. I just want you to share where you want to start. Like what I want people to see in you is that you've had a, not a rough life. Everything's perfect <laughs> because everything is perfect, but go start wherever you want to start, Sean. Yeah, for sure. So how do I even start? I mean, I, I always equate it to like a baby walking. Once it really learns to walk and then it runs, it's like, oh, you never realized how bad it couldn't walk. <laughs> right. so, so when I look at my life, Time is always relative, right? So when you think about time, people put, well, you, for 40 years of your life, because I'm 44 now, 40 years of your life, you were this guy. And everybody knows me as that guy. My parents know me as that guy. My son, who's 15, knows me as that guy. Fortunately, my fiance, who is knowing me as a different guy, knew me as part of that guy and part of the other guy. So she's seen okay. both sides of me, right? Which is interesting. And I'll go through a lot of that journey. But what was most, to back it all the way up, course, we all come into the world and we call it this bornness that we go into. And I was given a really interesting, beautiful set of parents. My father, he was similar to his father, which I was similar to him, which we all were kind of these like rolling stone all over the place, womanizing people. So my dad ended up having affairs and other families and things like that. So I saw my mother go through that. So you see your mother go through that. And of course, me as a child, I'm closest to her. And so between, you know, zero and eight, I'm like mama's boy living up underneath her. I could remember, you know, the times that she would like pick me up from school and I would have like something on my face. She lick her mouth and then it'd be uh -huh. like, oh, that always smelled <laughs> so good to me. Right. Oh, <laughs> so, I love that. You know, that whole thing. <laughs> Cute. And then all this traumatic stuff started to happen in my family around eight years old and saw you know a bunch of people die in my family. You know, one of my uncles committed suicide. There was just many different things that that happened. And I would go to these funerals and I would be almost in reverence of the fact that this death happened. And my grandmother, who's super religious, like, this is horrible. Why aren't you crying? And I'm like, well, these people are still with me. So I had this knowing at that time that there was no such thing as death. 
There was just the opportunity to become unborn. I didn't call it that at the time, but I had this whole unborn, eternal kind of understanding of self. And what happened through that is that I ended up getting very disowned by my grandmother. And because my family didn't do well financially, I would go spend time with her during the summer times. And she essentially was like, look, I don't want you around here anymore. And then I got shipped off to spend time with my grandmother in California. And when I was there, I would spend the summers there. And my cousin, whose father was the one who took his life, was also there. And we both dealt with our trauma differently. I felt rejected. I got really quiet. And I was always like much smaller than other people. And he, on the other hand, was like much bigger than other people. So he's 14. I'm nine at the time. And he took out his frustration on me uh, through sexual abuse. That started to happen for the next four years until he graduated. And it was hard at the time. And, you know, we've all go through transformation. But then after when I come back, you know, from that window of time, I'm like, okay, now I am what am I, you know, because then you lose all aspects of like Mm -hmm. this innocence that you are. And what I think is most interesting is about when you grow up between zero and like kind of eight, kind of the time bound that was happening. And then nine to 14 is like, you have this really pure innocence of wholeness. And like the divine is really in you as a child. Parents program you into being something that's not that divine into whatever Mm -hmm. your bornness is, right? So you come in with the recognition of unbornness, you then become very born in a very physical separated body your parents then tell you what you are, you become programmed. And then in essence, I got lost because all of a sudden this traumatic thing started happening to me, which I now know was me being able to pull myself into extensions of polarity. So it's like, how bad could it get at a young age? And then I could see, well, I love my mother. How good could it get at this young age? And where do I find the middle space in between? So then at which point I go through this whole experience of watching my family kind of fall apart. Me and my mother becoming an alcoholic, or maybe it's always there in my father with all of this infidelity that was taking place. And then I'm like, well, I don't have a family, so I'm just going to do really well. And what I at the time thought was control, but I realized I can control nothing, whatever I could influence though, is how I call it now. Mm-hmm. So then crush school, get really good at athletics, even though I'm smaller than everybody else. I just train harder, work harder, think, you know, study harder. 1590 on my SAT, get into all these great schools, oh, wow. whatnot. It was like, Awesome. And when I you say up, you're small, are you short? Like you don't oh, come across. I'm, I'm six two now. Oh, but I was I'm like I was geez, five. You seem big to me. I'm like, wait, you keep saying small. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, I was. I was. I was like almost like whatever my energetic container was throwing up man, in a manifestation of my physical body. Okay. So I felt small internally. I felt unseen. So I showed up unseen. Got it. I was like five foot three till I was 17 years old. Oh wow. Okay. And then I grew to like five eleven when I graduated and I got a I grew an inch and a half in the last five years. So I'm like oddly and put on a lot of muscle and couldn't even grow this beard. I'll show you a picture here in a minute, but I couldn't even grow this beard like uh, five years ago, six years ago. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Late, late stage puberty. Wow. (laughs) So 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 strange. (laughs) Okay. Sorry to interrupt that, but I was kept hearing you say that and I was kind of like I yeah. just can't wrap my head around that okay. oh I know I know I know yeah it's 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 like the craziest thing and so yeah I'm much taller now much 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 larger but I would just like overwork and outwork everybody and then I saw I could be successful by essentially creating more effort and integration into the world I didn't realize what it meant at the time I just let me just work harder 
So got into all these schools, got into Harvard, got into major Ivy Leagues and went to University of Houston. And that pissed my dad off even more because he's like, what are you doing? Not going here. You're going there. And I ran track for him because I was good enough at track to get a scholarship. So then and I that's go why you chose that because mm-hmm. you got yeah, a scholarship. I got a scholarship to actually do something that I physically thought that I was incapable of doing. Mentally, you could go anywhere and do anything. But like my I was accepted in my physical form, when I could say, looking back on that, mm-hmm. I had been rejected in my physical form or taken advantage of in my, in my physical form. Mm. So if you look at the energetics of Interesting. it, it's like, yeah. what could I do huh. physically? Didn't know that at the time, looking back right. on it, it's like, that's what it was. <laughs> huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So did that because I always wanted to be seen and got pretty good at it and won some championships and things like that. And Carl Lewis was my coach and all oh, this wow. other that's why I went because it was like oh, this amazing track school. But then when I'm my second year of college, I ended up going to a retreat thing, which was like this men's retreat. I ended up getting baptized. It's my I was always raised religious, but I actually my first point of choosing religion ended up getting baptized, confessed my sins to the pastor. I was actually dating his daughter and then I got married the next week. it was very gullible when it came down to the windows of spirit i guess you'd call spirituality religion in college uh, got married in college i was i was married for not very long about you know like six months or so but i gave it a shot because i wanted to have a family i wanted to have something that i didn't actually have myself right right that I didn't feel like I have myself even. And when I look back and I did have a family, I just didn't revere. I thought family should look a certain way. Right. And that was my family. That was my perfection. I just didn't realize that that was my perfection at the time. So now looking back on it, you know, there's that, but in the time I start, what do we do? We start grasping for straws of our life in order to actually create the structure that, you know, in essence, we have been told to believe whether it's through movies, through friends, through other families, And instead of appreciating what we have and then saying, okay, I'm going to build from now, I'm building from this traumatic thing and I'm hoping for this future thing and I'm starting to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. So then get out of college, go do my whole work thing, got into medical staffing straight out of school and um, ended up meeting at the time, you know, relations, crushed it on the, on that sales side was the fastest of VP, outworked everybody and then ended up getting married again. Right. And I got married for the reasons that I saw her, she had kids. I saw myself and her kids and I'm like, oh, I'm going to take care of these kids. And these kids look like me and I'm helping when I show up, they become better. So Mm -hmm. if I show up and they become better and what am I doing? I'm healing a version of my childhood self. It had nothing to do with that. Right. So it just had to do with the fact that like there was all this going on and it was not, I would say that it was the best that it could have been for what it was, but it was, it was a struggle for me. And because I didn't love myself, what happens? You show up in the reflection of not loving somebody else. You can only love somebody as much as you love yourself. And they can only love you as much as you love yourself. Right. So your container is only so big. And so I can only imagine if I'm loving myself very little, then what happens is, is I'm always giving it out to these kids. And that whole relationship thing was was a challenge. Super depressed at the time. Tried to take my life. You know, I mean, I've got, you know, actual scars there. You oh, know, where I, I slipped my wrist. wrist. Yeah. Put a gun to my head, pulled the trigger, didn't go off. I took a full bottle of Ambien, tried to take that. Um, what? what? Didn't die. And then tried to hang myself and the rafter broke. So I'm like, well, apparently I'm not supposed to do this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I'm not supposed to be in the situation that I'm in. But I'm there at the time because I am supposed to be there to learn a lesson, not learning the lesson. And so what do we do with our, what does our soul do until we surrender? It just keeps kicking our ass. 
like, okay, you want to go through this and you have all of this possibility. Let's beautiful thing about polarity is how wide can the container get? Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to extend, I'm going to have suffering on this side and I'm going to have bliss on this side. And I'd have moments of bliss that I would experience, but I would have so much suffering. And having that suffering means that the potential is so much bigger. So now I'm like, okay, I'm going to crush it in work. And so that was my potential is that I could create this energy stuff with money mm-hmm. and had a $20 million company at 27 years old. And unfortunately, my business partner embezzled a bunch of money, disappeared with it, and the company blew up. That was your godfather or something, right? Yep, exactly. exactly. So kind of related, like a family. Family member, very close, grew up in business with my dad, you know, that whole thing. He ended up embezzling quite a bit of money, disappeared, and then I tried to fix that thing. So one day this bank comes in, says, you owe us this money. And I'm like, we don't work with you. And they're like, yeah, you do. And I'm like, okay, let me figure this thing out. So now I'm fast tracking to figure this out, like how to fix this problem. Didn't fix it. I fixed it temporarily, but not fixed it long term. And what I recognize is when you do things that aren't for the benefit of the all, you're going to have karmic actions take place because you're fixing the effect, not fixing the cause. And fixing the cause would have been me fixing me, right? And saying, why did I create this to love myself more? But no, I'm over here. Let me go chase the effect. I'm going to fix my buddy who's at the hospital about to get fired because he helped me cover the balance of the payment that I needed to make to the bank when we actually raised enough money internally. We were short 600 grand. I'm like, hey, the guy at the hospital, I'm like, can I get $600,000 from you and I'll advance bill you for the people working? He said, sure, cut me the check. He didn't have capital expenditure approval. A year later, he's like, I couldn't, I couldn't, I can't do this. You need to send me the money back. I'm going to get fired. I'm like, bear with me. I'm going to figure this out. Oh my gosh. Hop on the dark web, find a way to actually get into the hospital system, end up rerouting emails to show that he actually got this approval from his boss who was no longer at the company anymore or no longer at the hospital and fixed it. Went away. Saved him, right? It was like saved him. Didn't save me. (laughs) I did something. Oh my gosh. I did something to hurt me to save him. Got it. And that's been actually a constant lesson in my life is that I've always done people. I've always used a gift that I've had to save somebody else and not save myself. Hmm which is a really interesting thing. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And then a year later, the hospital stops paying bills. I look up, there's somebody knocking on my door one morning. And basically it's the federal government handcuffs on my back. My son's on the changing table at six in the morning. Oh and um, they're like, what did you do? And I'd never gotten detention, much less been in federal right. or criminal trouble. Didn't know what to do. I just tell them everything. I'm like, look, here's what happened. <laughs> Check my computer. You can scan it. I'm good. Like, I didn't do anything nefarious. And they ended up uh, saying, oh, well, you're being really honest. Because most people, I guess, just don't talk, which probably might have benefited me at the time. But (laughs) (laughs) it's okay. I needed to do what I needed to do to be who I am today. So they let me go out that day. I got a call from the U.S. attorney. And then the U.S. attorney comes back and uh, says, we're going to indict you for conspiracy to commit wire fraud unless you get your godfather to come back. And because he had a whole other case that was uh, against him. Or you, you can fight us. We have a 98%, 99% conviction rate. Good luck. And you already told us everything. So you're not going to win. And if you fight us, we're going to go after, because my dad worked in the company. My sister was doing the bookkeeping. There's all kinds of stuff in there. And we're going to go after your family. I'm like, well, I don't want that to happen either. Or you plea out and you'll, you know, you're, you'll get 46 to 54 months in federal prison, you know, Hmm. or sentence. So I pled out, ended up doing the time, you know, and it was, 
the 46 months, I ended up serving two years, 10 months fully, like almost a full three years with good time and everything. And that experience was, I would say, I did not like it. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to recommend. But it I know you. Knowing yeah. you, I yeah. get why you say that because you're turning it into a gift, and that's yeah. yeah. And I love that. And I think the most thing about you is when I'm listening to this story, and I know what's in your in your heart, and what you've come from, and where you've what you've experienced till you're what 44 years old. It's like it is everything is a gift. And mm-hmm. to say, well, I didn't really like it. <laughs> it wasn't like this most amazing two years and 10 months of my life, especially when you have a little baby yeah. that you're missing. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. That, adding that on top of it. Yeah. Continue. The, but yes, yeah. I get it. 100%. Yeah. The three dimensional illusion can be paralyzing because the right. thing that we think we're supposed to do, we we get stuck in that context and we're like, oh, I should be doing that thing. We're not doing that thing. And then we end up collapsing. That's what started to happen. I was collapsing over and over again inside of it. I'm like, I got to get out of here. And I mean, I'm at a, I'm not at a, I'm at a camp, right? I'm not going to sit there and be like, I was in there with some of the darkest souls in the world. And some of them, some of them were mean, right? Some of them Hmm. thought one of my good friends, like was the head of the Aryan brotherhood. He had this whole swastika tattoo on his shoulder, face tattoo, the whole thing. We became friends because I was able to learn how to love people differently in there. I became friends, you know, one of my really good friends, you know, gold teeth, tear tattoos, big guy, scary. I would never talk to him prior to going into this. And, you know, now I can walk down the streets of any hood in the world. And I'm not afraid of anybody because I see all of them as a reflection of me. I can look at somebody who is, you know, in some crazy ass jihad organization that is like really angry. And I can be like, you are just all love because you see those versions of people in there. And when I first got detained, I actually went behind bars and had to go through that whole thing. And I saw a bunch of stuff happen and even, you know, was assaulted inside of that situation, but was able to get out of it and live in a halfway house until my sentencing happened. And that was a whole experience in itself. But I say all that to say that you just start to look at every soul with a different level of reverence and everything you watch, everything you see, once you get into the state starts to become a, um, like an enlightening experience. Like I mean, like my fiance's son and I went to watch Willy Wonka last night. Mm, We're going tomorrow. Yeah. Oh my God. Watch this movie and see how just radically optimistic Willy Wonka is. (laughs) It's the most beautiful thing of how he moves in life. And no matter what happened to him at any given time, whether, you know, like there were some pretty traumatic things that happened. He's just like, all right, let's Mm. go. And every time it was just him being able to turn himself back around and if we start doing that, that's why he's magical. That's why he's able to do things that nobody else could do because he was able to constantly see the world yes. with so much reverence. That's what that taught me. So, you know, like I'll walk down the streets of Austin sometimes and be downtown and there's these like little homeless corners and it's very um, intimidating for people to go over there. And you just walk down the street and I can walk through those areas and feel so much love for those individuals and give mm-hmm. it right back to them. And people say that's stupid because you want to avoid it. But it's not if, if you are the energy that's putting it off and you're creating the world and the illusion. And it's like the double slit experiment. If anybody mm-hmm. knows about it, you pay attention to it. It's a very specific intention. You see what you're creating. Right. That's it. Right. And you feel and witness it. So that's that's what started to happen because of that. And I'm very grateful for that experience of being able to create that in my life. Yeah. And weren't you like into car dealerships and you went to the next level in that? I mean, yeah. I learned so much about you. I was like, gosh, he's a, you know, like he's going to figure it all out. 
what I see you now doing. Like, you're not just going to be happy at this level. You're going to take it to over the top. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was funny. So I was in the halfway house prior to being sentenced. I ended up having to get a job, you know, and I didn't have any clothes and I was like, well, I don't want to go buy stuff. And where can I go to get a uniform? And I'm like, well, the car dealerships, they wear a shirt. Right. And I just get some black (laughs) pants and some shoes and I can go in and wash my stuff every day. And because I had had all my money detained and then I wanted to help my family and I was in DC and my family was in Dallas. I'm like, well, shit, I don't know what to do. I'll just start selling cars. And um, they gave me a draw. I'm watching these other people sell cars in there and they, they run out on the lot and try to chase somebody. I'm like, well, this seems like a bad idea. And the mm-hmm. lot and the place that we're in, they're selling like 60, 70 cars a month. And there are eight of us. So you can only imagine if you pay getting paid a hundred bucks a car or sometimes a thousand bucks a car, depending on how much spread you would get. I mean, you can only make so much money like if right. you're out of those people. So there was one guy selling like 20, 25 cars a month and he was clearing, you know, probably 500 to a thousand bucks a car. So he was doing really well. And I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, what is he doing? And he's running this internet marketing. They called it internet marketing. They didn't call it digital marketing, they called it internet marketing back then. And I'm like, oh, I'll do that. Let me read about it. I got online, looked it up, had my dad send me a little bit of money and ended up taking that money, putting it into digital ads that I outran the Google search ads out, you know, from the competition of the dealership. Had more people coming in to see me and then ended up going from selling like, you know, the first month was like 15 cars, 20 cars. And then it got up to like where I was doing like 100 cars a month. Wow. And, you know, you do the math on that. It gets pretty significant. I was the number one Volkswagen salesperson. They had me. I couldn't go to the games. They invited me to come to these like courtside seat games at the Washington Wizards because that was a sponsor for them at the time. Just all this cool stuff. You couldn't go because you were in the... Halfway house. Yeah. Halfway house. Yeah, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even drive, so I couldn't do. Oh, wow. I couldn't, I couldn't test drive legally. Test drive. Oh people. my god. <laughs> so I'd have to just sit in the car and let them drive, and then I'd have to take the metro back and get back at a specific time every day. It was wow. it was pretty interesting, but did well with that, and then figured out, okay, I'm going to learn the hell out of this because I've got something here. Either I'm going to go back into medical staffing, which they said I couldn't do when I got out, or I'm going to go figure out how to do this car thing. And I learned all about advertising when I was incarcerated. So I just kept learning, learning, learning. When I got out, I could like flow with the best of them, even though I'd never facilitated hands-on keys. But I got out, I did the thing, not in the new platforms like Facebook and Meta was becoming a thing. And I became really good at all of that and started to, got out, did my own thing and worked for this automotive, auto nation dealership and just crushed it. Ended up getting recruited by other agencies along the way and got to, you know, a very top position inside of the largest agency uh, in the world, WPP, which, you know, Nike was a client. I'm working with, you know, Rolex and Dyson and Coca-Cola and Google's a client, Facebook's a client, like really kind of amazing things Hmm. and helping them strategize, run media for them and pulling together really cool plans. And then I ended up leaving, started my own agency within that framework. Yeah, ended up leaving Dallas, going to New York, and that's where I met love of my life named Sophia. She really opened up my eyes to meditation. She opened up my eyes to another possibility outside of itself. And that's when I really, I would say, started to centralize my healing journey. And what I recognize is that until you find that divine feminine in your life, you're kind of like doing this masculine patriarchal thing. And really her energy helped me to pull in a different level of intention and intuition Mm-hmm. that I wasn't even aware of. And I tried to bastardize it for a long time. I was not like the best guy, right? Because mm. 
I was what I call, I was becoming Mr. Nobody. I was trying to serve a family back in Texas while also living a life that I knew was my abundant fulfillment. Once I made a true choice of where to be, life just started to bloom and opened up. And there was no mm-hmm. right or wrong choice. There was just the choice of my heart, the choice of right. what I needed to be for myself and loving myself to the fullest extent of it. Right. And I look at Sophia as like an angel. Like when I listen to the story, like when you look at life and when you meet people and someone's sent to you, like, I feel like she was just like divinely sent Mm -hmm. to see the shift and to see what she opened in you. And like, I mean, that was what, three or four years ago. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, it was like 2000, 2018 is when we met and really where things started to open up, I would say with three years ago. So we went through, I would say our let's date, love each other, go a little crazy on each other. And then it like three years ago is really when it, we started to energetically kick each other's ass, but love each other immensely. We had to really go through the process of breaking all of our traumatic bonds that we had within ourselves in order to be a full vessel to receive each other's light. And through that, it was challenging each other. I mean, and even as of today, you know, like the other day, I'll I'll get on a phone call and say something to somebody just to give them peace. Like I have a bad day and I'm like, Hey, it's going to be okay. If something doesn't happen, I'll do this. And I know I'm not going to do that. And she's like, you're not going to do that. And I'm like, you're right. I'm not going to do that. And that was totally out of integrity, even the little thing. (laughs) And it's interesting, the feedback loops and it's not being, it's not saying, Hey, she's being overly critical. She's just like, you can be your best you. Right. And holding me accountable to being my best me and watching myself fill myself up with that on a daily basis. And all it is, is me talking to me but I'm doing it through the mouthpiece of another. And that's what's really cool about it. Yeah. Yeah. So what was her background? I mean, I know you're going to start talking about Dr. Joe Dispenza because he came into your life around now, but what was um, Sophia? Like, why was she this enlightened being? What was, was she studying the personal development, spiritual? Yeah. So she was really big into transcendental meditation. She led me in through the doorway of Sadhguru. Right. So like, for instance, she was really big into TM. She's always known that there was something more. She's she's meditated off and on like her entire life. And she wouldn't say anything wrong with like religion, but she was like, there's more than that. Mm -hmm. It was religion and more. So me, I was like, religion's it. And I was coming in saying, well, it's got to be this or got to be that. So there was just a different way and take on it. So she showed me those doors and she showed me this Sadhguru video one day. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That actually does make a lot of sense. But I it didn't logically work for me. And mm. that's how I got to Dr. Joe's because I was watching a Sadhguru video by um, Tom Bilyeu, who has impact uh-huh. theory. Mm-hmm. And then I went on a rabbit hole of all of his videos. And I'm like, oh, well, there's this guy, this guy, this guy, this is how to be successful. There's Jesse Itzler. And so I'm watching all of those. And then I run in, and I, this one I kept avoiding, like the plague, it was, just, it was Dr. Joe. And I'm like, this guy looks weird. This <laughs> 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 is before, this before like, you know, the hair filled in and whatnot. I'm like, this guy looks weird and I'm not digging it. And what do you mean? Brainwash yourself. And I'm like, I'm going to leave it alone. And I watched every, probably every video on impact theory, except for this one. Huh. And I get to the end and it just kept calling me and it kept popping up in my feed and popping up. I'm like, fine, I'll freaking watch it. And it was magical, you know, hearing how he associates the quantum, the resonance field, how, you know, the actual true, you know, whether it's Wayne Dyer, you know, thoughts become things, but all these mm-hmm. thoughts. When we stay out of the past, we get into our present, what that means. And I'm like, okay, this makes sense. And he's showing the math behind it. He's showing the quantum aspect and the physical, the physics of it. And I'm like, right. all right, I get this. I get this. And so 
Then at which point I'm like, babe, we got to go down this rabbit hole. And we, <laughs> we, That's we, like me. <laughs> we did the progressive workshop together. And then we went to a couple of Dr. Joe retreats together. That's really where things started to crack open. And I would say I got stuck in Dr. Joe land for a while because right. I'm like, oh, that's it. That's all there is. And I could recite the whole whatnot to a T. But then I was becoming less of me and more of him. And so then the journey was, how do I get out of that space? And so my last year was a lot about that around different kind of meditation retreats. I tried different plant medicines. Um, first time ever doing it was a year and a year ago. Was it a year ago? Oh, wow. Because you've done it a few Two times. Two years ago. Two okay. years ago. Two years ago. But yeah. didn't Dr. Joe Dispenza make you understand how like you healed your thyroid, but like, you didn't have the... In 2020, that you didn't couldn't get your medicine, and you're just like, okay, yeah. I'm going to see if what he really preaches is what he how he healed himself yeah. from his bike accident. I mean, I look at his life, same thing. Like that accident was why it had to happen for him to open up this whole new level of belief and knowing that we are all capable of healing ourselves without the yeah. pills without any and of stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that my first retreat that I went to with them, uh, I'm doing, I, I go in and I was actually kind of broke at the time. I go in and, you know, they're not expensive, you know, a couple grand. And I go into the meditations and I'm like, you know, I don't normally meditate for any more than like 20 minutes. Right. So I'm doing this with, with the rest of the group. There's 2000 people in the room and I'm seeing people screaming. Have you been to one? No, that's one of my, I would love to. Yeah. 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 So people are screaming. They're having these Kundalini awakenings. I don't know what a Kundalini anything is. At the time. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on in here? <laughs> and I'm not able to focus on myself and right. which is cool because you need to be able to do it in distraction. Right. So I'm not able to focus on myself and three days go by and I'm finally starting to sink in. And on the fourth day we start doing these walking meditations and in the walking meditation, I had this really magical breakthrough where I'm walking down the beach and, you know, they teach you how to like trance out and look at these dots. You know, it's an, I saw dots. I don't know what it was. Okay. And so I'm trancing out and all of a sudden the dots get bigger, 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 bigger. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And then it just like hits me in the face and then I black out and then something taps me on the head and I thought something like hit me. And so I'm like wiping my head and then all of a sudden I start crying. I hit the ground. My hands catch on fire and my back starts to catch on fire. So I had this fractured vertebrae in my spine from triple jumping because I used to just like, you know, you just right. eat your legs up. And I used to walk with a limp and had all these issues. At the time, I had the thyroid problem. So like four years before that, I was diagnosed with grave disease and had my thyroid completely radiated. So I don't have a thyroid. And at the thing, like I just, my whole like body just like caught on fire. Right. And I'm like, this is. But when you say know, caught on fire, it just gets your your heated hot, just hot, 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 hot. Okay, right, hot, tingly, and right. And so I'm like, oh, all right. Well, I need to, I need to just like release. And I just started weeping a lot, and then I started forgiving my cousin. Yeah, I forgave, you know, my parents. I forgave myself. I forgave just everything, and I just had this felt like this big weight was taken off my shoulders. And then I look up, and I'm like, oh wait, I can feel my hands, you know. And then I start walking, and I'm walking, and I'm a little bit taller. Right. And mm -hmm. I'm no longer walking with this limp anymore. And I'm like, this is nuts. And, you know, I could sit for hours on airplanes without, you know, getting up and being like completely decrepit. And that was like the first thing. And then inside of that actual retreat, the more crazy things that started to happen were, you know, you start doing these other meditations. And I'm like, man, I really need to start. You know, I, I wish I was working because I need to actually start making money. But I was changing the words from wish is that 
you know, when yes. I start working, I'm going to make more, I'm, I'm going to make this kind of money. I get a call from a client and they're wiring me hundreds of thousands of dollars into my bank account inside yeah. of this retreat because it's at the end of the year and they need to get money off the books. I'm like, this is crazy. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, well, I don't, this isn't me. I need to start donating it. So I start donating it <laughs> and then it comes yeah. back and then I donate, it comes back and I donate, it comes back. I'm like, this is crazy how this works. And I'm thinking I'm hacking the system and I'm just learning how energy is supposed to move. Right. That's the biggest thing. There's a lot of people and me and me and a buddy used to go to them over and over again. Cause we're like, Oh, we'll go make a hundred grand and like sit in a retreat. <laughs> and it would happen. <laughs> like we would sit oh, in there funny. and make money or whatever. Some d- stupid stuff would happen. And I recognize that it's not even that, like, it's not about hacking anything. It's about energy moves this way. But if you do it with a level of intention and integration and true intuition, and you honor the masculine and feminine of yourself and what's around you, and you do things for the benefit of the all, it'll happen exactly the way that you expect it to happen. But there's no expectation, just you know it will happen. So that's what started to open up. And then in that same window of time, after that deal, like I ran out of thyroid medication because it wasn't COVID. I couldn't get back to my endocrinologist. I was living in South Carolina at the time. And I'm sitting here like, I can't get any of this medication. And then all of a sudden, like, I just didn't need it anymore. And mm-hmm. I go back like a year later and they're like, hey, your T3 in your body is the right amount, but your thyroid stimulating hormone is going bananas, which means you have no thyroid, but you're producing what your thyroid produces without. Oh my God. I'm like, all right. Huh. Yeah. 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 Which is crazy. So that was, you know, you see the miracles of that and you think that it's, it's Dr. Joe and Dr. Joe is magical. He is a wide door builder that so many people can walk through. Right. And that's what I love about it. When you get stuck in the door, then what happens is everybody's congesting and nobody else can walk through it. Right. So it's us to get out of the way and us to go build other doors that people can walk through. And mine might be smaller, it might be bigger. I don't know. But it's just a matter of continuing to do the work from the inside instead of like looking at that as the thing and then becoming, there was a time when I actually got to meet him and we went to dinner together. And I'm like, I want to serve you and work for you. How do I do this? How do I become the black Dr. Joe? and he's like just stay close and i'm like all right he's probably like this guy's crazy um (laughs) but there was a it was in the novice state of self and when i look back on it i'm like okay that's not what it was but i honored that and then i grew past it or grew expanded from it right because that was a very effect driven thing not a cause driven thing right yeah okay so because you get into these laws and you, you explain the dimensions so differently and the bridges and you get to the, like the one through six, can we just kind of get into some of your, your juicy stuff? Because I, yeah, I feel like we're at a place now where people kind of understand like where you came, but I, you have so many amazing ways of explaining these things that I'm so fascinated and, and I've learned so much from you in the oh. last few. Yeah since I've set this interview or since I met you on Instagram, <laughs> but um, can we do, do, can I like throw a few things out so you can yeah. kind of explain, because I feel like we're talking right now of moving into 2024. This episode will be out in January. People are like looking at where is our world going? You know, you, I go down millions of rabbit holes and have interviewed so many people about that. But when you talk about the dimensions I want you to explain one through six and how it's I am. And then once you get to seven, that's the magic right there. Like mm-hmm. if people could get that, cause it's so simple. So it's really cool. There's not one thing that says this stuff where it's I you got, created it. 
Yeah, it just kind of came, it came in and I wrote this stuff down and then I'm finding evidence of it in different areas. Like I found evidence of it in, there's this thing, book called The Secret Teachings of All Ages. There's another book called The Science of Being. There's tons of these books. Carl Jung has a book that talks about these numbers. There's a book called The Secrets of the Illuminati that has, and they all have different fractions of these numbers and how these dimensions work. And they're not all the same thing. Another one called The Metunetter. And so I didn't read these before I knew this, which is Mm. weird. But one day I just drove out, wrote out, like this curve. And I have a video that I posted about it a long, long time ago. And I wrote out this curve and I was like, well, if I start here and I go up and I go down, what does that mean? What I ended up recognizing is that that we have only nine numbers. There's a zero right. as well. So there's 10 numbers, but zero is really not a number because it has no quantity to it, but it births everything else into existence. So once the zero bursts the one, what is the one? The one is I am. Okay. What's interesting about us as when we get into a bunch of I am statements and things along those lines, we're only I aming, but we're doing it from a space of being born into a space of separation. I can't recognize myself without a reflection. So I can't recognize myself unless I ask the question of what I am. Otherwise, I'm just in this eternal abyss of singularity, which is where we want to be. But we want to get there or get there through experience. So to get there through experience, I have to then ask myself the question of who am I? I have to question everything about myself. So when you think about yourself going through life, you question everything about yourself because you are completely unsure. Even when a baby learns to walk, it's literally shaky. It's questioning its legs is questioning the ground. So that's all second dimension framework. So the first dimension is the stillness of just existing. Then you have to exist in the question of why am I existing? And when you question that existence is when all of the trauma of self, world, and infinity rip into existence because you're splitting the atom. Imagine right. the atomic bomb. When you split it, what kind of disaster happens, right? Then what happens is you have a thing called, how, when do you do that? So if I split it and it's no time, well, I have to have time. So then you have this third dimension, which is time. And the cool thing about time is when you look at the actual number three, the elemental shape of the number three is a triangle. That is actually fire. Fire mm-hmm. is spirit. So all spirit and everything comes into the space of time. I can't experience spirit without time. So then spirit starts to then interact with the fact that I've created this separateness of self. Right. So time is a gift of spirit, but I have to, I have to witness it over this extended infinity, eternal, right? Mm-hmm. Then I have to go and I have to have space to do this in. So the fourth dimension is space. Like what does the space look like that I'm in? And space is the then recognition of, can I take spirit and can I translate that spirit into space? And what am I going to get when space is gravity? Gravity is love, but it's also resistance. Mm-hmm. And what resists me? Well, I have to create an adversary to resist me in order to then know that I'm loving myself. And so what did God do? If you want to call it God or all or source, it had to create an adversary. It had to create something in the extension of polarity. And then we as human beings have to learn how to hold that polarity in the space of oneness. We have to be the threshold that holds it all together. So we have to be the threshold between space and time. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> yes. I mean, I, yes. And I, I'm yeah. learning this again, but I've been listening to you explain it because, yeah. okay, I'm getting it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So then, uh, then the threshold between space and time is Christ consciousness. Christ consciousness, they say, you know, we don't have anything to measure this. Christ developed his consciousness between 30 and 33. So it all dropped into him between 30 and 33. There's even more writings about this. Rudolf Steiner writes about it where he talks about Christ consciousness rolls itself onto the earth between the 25th and the 2nd of January. No wonder that Christ was born between the 25th, even though they say his real birthday was like March or something along those lines, right? 
that Christ consciousness, Buddha consciousness, whatever you want to call it, is born in that window of time. So we're actually coming up on this window now. By the time this comes out, we came up on the window where essentially Christ consciousness is dropping on the earth. And when we become conscious of it, then we move into the fifth dimension where we can actually receive the I am, the questioning of I am through time and spirit, through being able to overcome all of our obstacles in the spirit of time and space to then hold that and then take all the polarity and say, you know what, I'm going to live it all. That's when we start walking as fifth dimensional beings, but it's not our job to stay there because then we get lost in the clouds. Right. And then I get lost in the clouds. I'm not serving anybody else. So it's our purpose in life to go back and help other individuals find that fifth dimension. Right. But see, that's the part, like for me, what, the way you'd explain that, because people can describe it like we're moving into the 5D, you know, yeah. but I mean, it, it, we are, I mean, s- s- people are, are that are understanding that thinking and mindset and, but there's the way you say, like, we can't always be in that. We're coming back. We're using the bridges to come back in because we're a human. We are three-dimensional. So we're always being pulled back to bring others to the 5D. Mm-hmm. Is that what you mean? So, yeah, we're we're here. Once we witness it and understand it, it's our responsibility because we are we created this entire world. Right. In order to help the world understand that it can become five dimensions or it can become a five dimensional being. But we're not meant to be there. Every dimension is temporary. Got it. Even the wholeness once we get back to. But in that temporary dimension that we're in, we can create permanence because it's only now. Right. So the the time mind fuck is what I call it. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) is, is, Is that there's a constant thing that we are looking at from a. Like, oh, it's it, it takes this, 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 and that. And I want to live in this forever. Right. It's not forever. Forever is now. And once I actually choose now, and then I can also say, you know what? I need to split myself. And this is this bilocating thing that they talk about. I need to split myself. I need to go back to the third dimension and do the work with people that are suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody's suffering and I'm sitting in a 5D space, and this is what I feel like a lot of gurus teach, is like, hey, you just need to separate yourself from that and become blissful and stay over there. And that's, to me, okay in one regard, but on the other regard, what are you doing to serve another? Right. So I need to go back and like jump in the shit sometimes. I need to be in the pain. And what I recognize that even in the story of Christ, and do I think that he's the only way to heaven? No. Like, I mean, there's the infinite ways to to heaven, which is all within self. And that's a whole other conversation. Right. (laughs) But the thing that Christ did when it, when Christ chose to get on a cross with all the infinite power and wisdom is to get back into the suffering, to feel all the pain, mm-hmm. to endure that pain and then say, you know what, I'm going to take that in and then I'm going to actually translate that from my awareness itself. So did Christ die for our sins? Sure. But it was the sins of itself. Right. Are we willing to die for our own sins? Right. And that's the thing that what Christ consciousness teaches us that we forget. We think it's somebody else's thing. And all it was is that it was just an example of what we need to do for ourselves. So when we are in the 5D, can I go back and get in the shit again? Right. And that's okay, right? And and once you do that and you can do it with fluency, you're now holding the, the threshold of time and space into love. And now all that, all that happens is that love just starts to pour in over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, in my life now, I'm, I'm 10 years older than you and I have children, 15 and 17. Knowing what I know and I've done my personal development, my spiritual, pretty much my whole life, I get to this place now that, gosh, I get the 5D. I get that. But I still, I think when you talk about purpose, Mm -hmm. there's a purpose for me that I want. I need to go back and I need to bring up. I have this like 
you know, you talk about divine purpose and grounded purpose. Purpose. That's a cool way too to explain it to people. It's like our divine purpose is just love, right? That's that's everybody's. But yeah. I'm pulled to, like you say, like some people are just, you know, living in the 5D and I love that feeling. I'm calm and I'm, I know I'm, it's all love and I'm vibrating at the highest I can possibly vibrate. And I'm in the present moment. I know that's all yeah. that we have. But then it's like, oh, I just, my, I have a purpose. <laughs> like I need to get back there and pull these people and be that vibration for them and be the example. I teach a teenage class. And I see the teenagers, you know, and I'm around them a lot because of my, my girls, but they're at this vibration, but society and social media and we're kind of where we're living and what they've been living in the last few years has pulled them down. But I, mm-hmm. as soon as I get them to see their light and their vibration, it's like a, yeah. the fastest train to the, yeah. the ninth dimension. <laughs> slingshot yeah it's it slingshot. is a slingshot and you do talk about slingshot so continue <laughs> anyway i just wanted to give you my yeah i love that i love that no i mean and that's that's exactly what it is it's it's us being the vessel and we are integrated vessels in order to execute the will of the all and source to be able to pull that light back in and then do it with rhythm all the yes, time rhythm yeah yeah and once we oh create gosh. that rhythm it's just flow <laughs> like you just do it and then you're not thinking about it. You're just part of it. Like our our cells are vibrating at a very specific frequency. They're not trying to remember, huh, I need to do the skin thing today. Right. I need to do the tooth thing today. I need to do the eye thing today. I need the blood thing today. No, they're just doing it. It's their rhythm. It's their purpose. They are integrated in it. And that's what it does. What is our purpose? And why do we choose on a daily basis to not live in our purpose? And when we choose the opposite of it, what I call it is we're not accepting what our will is. We're not accepting the will of our, of, of our full potential. And once we accept it, we make a choice. And then that's when the actual love starts to flow in. Right. And when you, you explain you how to find your purpose is you, you write down the five things you love and the five things you fear. Yeah. And I ended up creating this whole like AI purpose generator statement where you can go like on, I'll send you the site, but you go on the site and then you get into it and you write down the five things you love, the five things you fear, you put what you like to do in life. And if you could do something and never have to, and get, you know, paid infinitely for it and it would just be your thing. What would it be? Like, what are your talents? And then it writes it out and it creates a little statement for you. And is it your, is it your purpose? No, but it's a purpose statement that'll allow you to find your purpose. So it starts to kind of pull that awareness together. So at least you see the bounds of your polarity. Cause like, if you see what you love and what you fear, it's the bounds, it's your container. If I say, okay, this is what I'm good at. Then that's the thing that sits in the middle. And if I said, well, I do this for a living. Well, how can I translate what I do for a living? into what I'm really good at and then hold that in a container of love or fear. So when I show up on a daily basis, at least I'm doing something that's closer to my purpose than anything else. Right. Oh, I love that. You know, I, just because I learned, learned that from you the last few days, I was thinking, okay, my purpose without doing that, but I, I love being a mom. I love teaching teenagers. I love seeing the light in people shine when they get that there's, that's all they are is light. You know, I have this, it's such a passion of mine, Sean. (laughs) Everything I do now in my life is all from there. It's like, I do this because I love it so much. I love being a mom. I can't wait to be in their presence and do something. It's just so, such a way of like, when people understand that that's how life is supposed to be. Living in that high vibration all the time, living high. (laughs) Mm. I live high without taking any drugs. 
Exactly. Exactly. And I love that. And you even being able to, you know, like what you say, like what I love, like I, I, I love being a mom, you know, I love helping people find their potential. I love looking at it in those lanes and, you know, even showing up the way that you do, it allows you to say, okay, you always see the potential in people. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know that if I look at a soul that I can influence the most that's in my life, it's your child. They are an empty vessel. And what's beautiful is when you start to see them reflecting your wholeness, not because you're doing it from a space of control, but you're doing it from a space of abundance, things really start to change. And that's honestly my, in the journey of being a dad right now is a challenge. (laughs) Right. I was going to ask you that because he's 15. How do you parent? Like, like if I was going to say, you know, in a few words, style, what's your parenting? How do you, what do you, what's your intention? Because I always say like, I'm so intentional when I've parented and you were, he was little when you were in, in jail mm-hmm. or in prison. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my parenting style, it, it was, Hey, I want you to be like me, go to the same school. You know, like I went to this really cool private school and whatnot, you know, be a hard worker and do all the stuff. It's just not his thing. Anytime I force him to that, it's like two Rams butting heads. So now it's look, he doesn't live with me all the time. He lives in, in Dallas with his mom. But what I recognize with him is that I just need to give him as much fertile ground so he can explore and find himself. And sometimes that feels like the opposite of parenting Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I'm like, stop doing this. My only real intention that I have for him is just to be motivated, find your motivation, seek that out, whether that's you're motivated to read a book, whether that's motivated to play video games, just find a motivation and make sure that that motivation benefits more than yourself mm-hmm. and find enough fertile ground to do it. Trip on your face, do what it, do what it is. I don't have any expectations around him for grades, but just if you have an agreement to go to school, go to school. Right. right? I'm not going to agree that you're going to be great in math. You might not be great in math and that's okay. I mean, the whole school system is a school system, right? I mean, right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to poo poo on it. It's great for some people, not great for others. Everybody has their own learning style. So I'm all about him finding his container and then building it so he can become the full fledged, his name's Cade, Cade that he is. Because you talk about the hermetic laws of the universe. Yep. That, that's something that you've really delved into. Can, are we okay? Can we go a few more minutes? Yeah, please. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to push you because I know no, you're Because I love that too. And I've, you know, you explain it in a way that you're just such a good teacher. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I I mean, you're good. Really. You just make it like, I get it. I've, I've really opened my eyes to these seven, like the, go ahead. Yeah, seven yeah, yeah. hermetic. Yeah. And where did you find that? You just in your books, um, reading, put it together one day, like channeled so, it. <laughs> where did it come from? I first, I kind of came in one day where I was like, oh, my mind and I can think a thing and I'm starting to see it come up. And there's this, I kept getting you know, people as above, so below. And I'm like, what is the hermetic principle people are talking about? It's like, well, that's a hermetic principle. And so I was getting clues and I'm picking up on things. And then one day I just type in as above, so below hermetic principles. And then this whole book, the Kabylon came out or mm. that came out was there. And so I went down the rabbit hole of the Hermetica and the Kabylon and read through that hardest read and the mm. Emerald, Emerald tablets. So like I oh, read right. those three mm-hmm. and those were not fun to read because it's like in a whole other like English that uh, doesn't land. But so I had to read it like four or five times to get to it. So the first time I read it, I threw it to the side because I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And I read it again and I'm like, okay, there's something here. 
And then I kept reading it. So I read it, I read it, I think a full five times and then started to write down where it made sense for me and where it didn't. And then I sought out more information outside of that. So, you know, within the hermetic laws, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I, when I try to find my way around them or like there's another law, there's just a law that's a derivative of that law. And so if we can walk by those seven laws of the universe, then in essence, we can kind of do anything because mm-hmm. you understand how the code was written. And that's like that seventh dimension that I also talk about is the seven laws are the seventh dimension because it's basically taking that and moving yourself from the I am state to the we are state because then you understand why everything's created. So me doing the internal work of like the first law, I just call it like thoughts become things. You know, it says, you know, everything is, you know, mental and the mind of the all, or they say it in a way that is very right. challenging to understand, but it's just your thoughts become things, right? Everything is mental. Everything is in the mind. But the thing is, is that it's not just the mind because we tricked ourselves into thinking it. It's actually creating a pure thought. So can I actually feel my thoughts? So if I can feel my thoughts, then that is where my mind goes. And at which point I'm now in full resonance of this energy center of my body. Then what I also done, I've, I've mapped the actual laws to each individual chakra too, because if you understand where those laws sit in the chakra of the body, then you can understand how to like feel something. You're like, oh, okay, this is law number four. I'm actually, you know, in some karmic thing right now. I need to start figuring out what that means and move to the seat of cause. Second law, everything, you know, correspondence, law of correspondence, as above, so below, as within, so without. So if you understand that everything has kind of like the same structure to it. If I understand cellular structure at the smallest space, I can also understand universal structure. Mm-hmm. So then I can look at one thing and know that this means that this is where psychic ability comes from. Then I go into, okay, well, everything has vibration. Well, of course, so it's all connected. If all is vibrations, energy, even the air has vibration. So I'm connected to everybody. So you and I are connected, even though right. we're talking through a screen and we're connected not only in this time, we're connected interdimensionally. And so we're just existing. And then once you know that, you just start pouring in information. And that's like this triangle thing, right. Illuminati stuff. But <laughs> um, <laughs> it's this triangle thing because that's the that's the spark and the flame of existence. That's where Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's where all of this, like this three number comes from. And then you get into, well, after that, everything has a rhythm. So once you understand rhythm, pendulum swings to the left, swings to the right. How do I actually play with that? You know, where do I live between those actual aspects? And that's time. That's how you play with time. And you could see an upswing and a downswing to it. And I used to see like the upswings and downswings in my day. I can do it 1030 every day. This is going to happen at 1030 every day. This is going to happen like clockwork. Now, did I mm-hmm. observe it into existence or did it happen? I don't know. But then I stopped it happening because I didn't want it to happen anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, so you say that again. So at 1030, you knew that was coming. I could you... feel a downswing every day at 1030. Okay. Okay. And then I'm like, I don't like this anymore because I'm not going to be a victim to this thing called time. So then I started to shift that energy to where mm-hmm. this is that 5D work to where you're no longer saying I'm going to be because the space that I was in was becoming this time bound thing that I created a mental feeling mm-hmm. construct off of that was creating a reality. Right. It's kind of like looking at it backward. And then once I started to actually be fully in my heart and then see it all as love, I'm like, well, I can create something different. And then what happened is everything shifted and that started to actually not be what it was anymore. Hmm. I love right? that. Yes. And then Powerful. you go to sixth dimension, which is just God's plan, your plan for yourself, your higher self that came in. But then that's the actual law number six. So like you got four, you have five, five is polarity. Everything has the sixth extension of it. You go into six, six is karma, right? And so there's this whole like karmic thing that happens where it's most people look at the effects of their life, not the cause. But if I always move into the seat of cause and I sit myself in the middle of it, then I'm always creating the effect. I'm no longer being pulled by the effect. And that starts to shift the dynamic. 
And then the law number seven, which seven is also gender, gender and generation, is the combination of masculine and feminine that are starts to pull together into a space of we. So the only way I get another human body outside of myself is when I come together with masculine and feminine. Right. The only way that I move from I to we to an extension of myself is through another person. So the number seven is very much so about the aspect of generation, of me being able to actually generate life, of me being able to live outside of this self-container. So I can do the work of through six, right? Mm-hmm. And then once I get outside of the six, I get into the seven, and that's the seventh hermetic law. And then there's eight and nine, which go into this different perspective of like the way we see all of it as one and then unifying back into singularity. But that's a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it ever? Yeah. When you talk about feminine and masculine, and you were you did a one of the videos on how men have taken away the feminine aspect of women and kind of goes back to Adam and Eve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't necessarily Adam at all, and it wasn't necessarily Eve, but it was the, what what we've done over the last, you know, what I call the last even 2,000 years, if not further and beyond, is we have created a very systemized structure of what a man is. Mm-hmm. And we create a very systematic structure of what feminine is. Feminine, you guys are vessels, right? You are here to receive. There's a reason you have a certain anatomy. There's a reason you do a very specific thing. And there's a reason that you actually channel intuition better than any possible man could on earth, right? Just naturally. Now, could we get into it? Yeah. Could I embrace my feminine and really start to actually start pulling in information differently? Sure. Could I, you know, receive sexual intercourse differently? Sure. I could do all of those things, right? And what's interesting about that is, is that that is now a full embodiment of self to be able to then what I call is like the Merkaba, like I've got this tattoo here, but the Merkaba where those two energies start to come together and create the vessel combined with the actual integration, the grounding elements and the actual divine elements of being able to pour in like full source into a container. And then that starts to create this chariot of light. Within the story of Adam and Eve, what Adam and Eve was, was just in, in, in my opinion, which is just a half truth, is that it was God itself or all itself creating the experience of humanity on earth and then saying, okay, I'm going to give you all this free will choice and you're going to choose a path of how much we're going to structure that into a programmatic system. And then all we did is we said, okay, I'm now going to choose fear. The snake or the Satan, whatever you want to call it, that was there wasn't like, Hey, go do the bad thing. It was just, do you want to have your mind open or not? And in having our mind open or not to be able to choose to be our own God, which is all that we asked to do at that time then what happened is, is we split ourselves into two beings. And then in those beings, the only way we get back into unity of God to where we don't make, we still make a free will choice, but we make Mm -hmm. a choice that is tied to our six dimensional self or to our full consciousness of creation. And God's plan rolls into us because we're now combined in masculine and feminine together. And then at which point the entire plan of God rolls into the architecture of our physical body. That's where we (laughs) lost it in Adam and Eve because it's like it's split. And then it's like, okay, we're going to do our own thing. And right. that wasn't what it was intended to do when we opened our mind. Got it. Got it. Got yeah. it. <laughs> I know. I, so much oh my gosh, is it ever. <laughs> you know, you're talking about we're moving into the age of Aquarius and it's moving into the more feminine. The planet is mm-hmm. moving to more feminine. It is. Yeah. How do you see the earth in 10 years? Mm, I mean, do you do you study the, the Kabbalah or the tree of life or any of that? And the no. Lahut and whatnot. Okay. So. 
there's inside of that tree of life at the bottom is a thing called Mahut, and it's actually the full vessel of light that's the feminine energy that was created from the entity. And it says that in the five stages of the Kabbalah, we are actually in that stage right now. We just entered into it, which is also corresponded with the age of Aquarius of what that looks like. So you see different evidence of this in many different versions of like ancient texts and, you know, religious scriptures and whatnot. So we're at that point. And what's even more interesting is successful movies always have a really strong divine feminine character now. When mm. you try to do like Black Adam with the rock and whatnot in this age, it doesn't work. Like that movie mm. kind of flopped, right? Right. I'm really interested to see what Aquaman does. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'd rather go see Willy Wonka because even Wonka like is holding this kind of like feminine energy. Or feminine. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. That was my choice over because the Aquaman of that, I'm like, I'm going to go see this. Oh, okay. And, you know, as, as tattooed and whatever that I am, like that was my thing. So where I see us in 10 years is that we are going to have more feminine leadership. We'll be honoring that intuition as a vessel or container. We will be integrating. There'll be really strong masculine integrators that have shown how we do this over time. But in order for us to continue to tap into abundance, we are going to have to honor that feminine energy. Doesn't mean whether it's homo, heterosexual, it doesn't matter like how you come together. It could be, it doesn't have, it's not even a sexual thing. It's just, right. am I going to honor like my mother? Am I going to honor my sister? Am I going to honor my female friend? Am I going to listen to that? And because every one of the feminine vessels out there are going to be natural channels that are going to be snapped into this different level of resonance. The masculine will be able to channel through, but we are going to be here to do the work, to facilitate the work, to actually put it from an architectural aspect into life. And that's going to change the way that we execute. Hmm. Where are you going? Like, let's end it and wherever I'm going to find you. But where are you going to be? And like, what are you looking to do? I mean, it's just I feel like you're just at the beginning. I'm just at the beginning, but I think it's always the beginning. (laughs) I mean, I would just say I'm just going to keep doing this. I mean, I don't my, my thing is. Is, is just to be in love. To me, love is a unifying energy that is seen in reverence to full polarity and duality together for the benefit of the all. And whatever that work means, I'm just going to keep doing that. I don't have any specific, I have an intention of continuing to just put that information out there into the world. I don't have any expectation around it. And I'm going to form an agreement with myself. And that agreement is going to be that, look, I'm going to do as much as I can on social. That'll be accepted. I'm going to help individuals get this message as fast as they possibly can. I'm going to be a great husband and father. I'm going to be a great friend to my friends. Just keep showing up in love and and showing people the doors to themselves because it's mm-hmm. not the minute I become a guru to anybody is the minute I'm going to get out of the way. Right. Because it's not about that. Right. I love that. Oh, yeah. Sean, it's been so fun. Thank you for being here and taking your time out of your day. Yeah. Oh, I've yeah. just really enjoyed being with you the last few days. <laughs> You've been with me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ashley. I appreciate it. And we can find you. Instagram would probably be the best, right? Yeah, Instagram's good. The Abundance 10,000. I have a website called scienceofabundance.ai. So you can go play around with that. There's some cool stuff on it. Podcast. You know, it's called Daily Alchemy with Sean Clayton, even though I don't do it daily anymore because they're getting to like 30 minutes each. So I was like, this is heavy channeling every day. I was getting exhausted. But next to that book coming out uh, in the next year. Oh, really? Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah doing that whole vibe. We're just going to keep going. Good. I love it. Well, thank you. You're thank welcome. you. Thank you. No, so thank nice you. to meet you. A lot of love. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, 
please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.